Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also like you, I have stories. These are my stories. The true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True, Stories, True Stories of a Tryhard. I'm Ethan Hewlin, and this week I'm joined by a special guest for the first time in a long time. Please welcome to the podcast, Samuel O'Brien. Hello, it's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad you could make it, Sam. Um, so listeners, Sam is the host of the recently released uh, Content and Capable podcast, available wherever you get uh, your podcasts, including Spotify, I'm assuming? Yes, it's, wonderful we're having issues with apple podcasts and it is a, a mental struggle that i have not approached yet um just have not had the time to go and harass someone about not making it on apple podcasts but the podcast exists and the trailer exists on apple podcasts but none of the episodes seem to want to go up so we well hopefully you get that worked out soon apple podcast was one of uh my mortal enemies as well yeah. early on Yeah, probably. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, today we're kind, uh, we're going to address something a little bit different. This is something that not a lot of people um, really uh, talk about, and it's getting off antidepressants. Now, listeners, if you've been listening to the show for a little while now, you'll know that I actually recently got onto antidepressants uh, back in March. So it'll be an interesting experience for me as well as for you to kind of listen to uh, Sam's experience with that and what exactly that was like. So, um, so Sam, uh, before we get into that, uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So, yeah, I'm Sam. I um, am Australian, as you probably can hear by my accent. I really hope it, you can hear it by my accent. Um, I am 19. Um, always, always, almost forget my age. Um, and I, um, I'm the eldest of 10 children. I'm uh, this just crazy existence of a human being where I just seem to do everything um I really enjoy like having pressure put on me and like doing things um and I really um I'm the kind of person who will just sit and read or watch a movie um as well so I've got this really weird dichotomy from the, the, the need to do something as well as like the um the love of just sitting and doing nothing <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I'm a pretty self-motivated person myself. I always like to do... Um, I'd rather be doing something than not, but at the same time, I recognize that you need to slow down every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. Like, I... I my brothers don't understand it. Um, I'm the eldest of ten children, um, but my brothers don't understand, like, I'll put on a movie and cook dinner, or I'll put on a movie and clean the kitchen. Um, uh, and they just don't understand that they can't handle, like, the fact that I can do these two things at once, but, like, my brain, I don't know, it feels like a very ADHD thing. My brain can't, oftentimes, doesn't operate as effectively without both of them. It's really weird. Right. Uh, so, Sam, you were telling me before we, uh, started the call that you pretty recently got off antidepressants so what brought you to that like 
were you in a place that you thought was um, comfortable with getting off of that? Was there something wrong? Yeah. So I'll start all the way at the beginning. So when I got on antidepressants, I was in year 12, so my final year of high school. Um, at the time, um, what really, what I credit as sparking it all was um, they fired my physics teacher um, about two weeks before one of our big assessments were due. And I was going to the school musical, um, so I was really busy and stressed with that. I was actually doing an extra subject on top of everything else. So um, instead of doing seven, I was doing eight subjects. Um, so I was, you know, stretched quite thin. But I was really enjoying it up until the point when my physics teacher um, got fired. And things kind of went downhill from there. There were, I suppose there were a couple of other signs beforehand that I was... Now, my mother has anxiety and depression um, and takes, well, was taking antidepressants, just transferred to something slightly different. But um, by, you know, I got to that point and I I got to a point um, about six months after my physics teacher got fired um, and that spent a whole spiral of me not making assessment deadlines, me struggling to find motivation to get my work done. Um, year 12, final year of school, I've got, you know, I had a lot on my plate as well. Um, and it got to the point where I was sitting in my parents' bedroom on the floor crying because I couldn't write. I was sitting there and I would look at the computer and I would sit there for like three hours straight and not write a single word and could not bring myself to, to do that. And my mother was, you know, pretty on top of it she thought she was handling it well she's like okay this is the point where i'm just going to take you to the doctor so um really lucky here in australia that we do have that free access to doctors um but uh better than i can say yeah um and it it really makes it like an extra barrier to get treatment for mental health in in places where it isn't free but we went to the doctor and he um you know had a look at my medical history had a look at what i've been experiencing for the last six months and just said, you've got uh, you've got um, high functioning anxiety and um, probably some slight depression there. Um, I can't, you know, he wasn't a psychologist, but he was like, you know, that's probably what's going on. So what I'm going to do is going to put you on antidepressants and get you to speak to a psychologist. Um, and so that happened. Um, I got put on antidepressants. Um, you know, get the whole spiel of it takes a couple of weeks to get in your system and. Um, it should mute some of those feelings and just bring you back to like a healthy medium. Um, and it did. And it was really, really good because, you know, I was a functioning human being again. I felt like I had taken back control over my ability to be the person I was. And so, you know, I continued taking them. Um, I finished year 12, um, got reasonably high grades. I knew I could have done better if I had handled myself a little bit better and had been on top of my mental health a bit more. But then I turned around um, towards the end of my first year of university. So I went straight into university and I was really enjoying it. Admittedly, it was last year, it was COVID. But aside from the fact that there was a lot of things that I wasn't particularly happy with, I was really enjoying it and the pressure didn't feel like too much. So I went to um, a different doctor because I had moved um, since uh, finishing year 12. I don't live with my parents anymore. Um, And I said to the doctor, I'm thinking of coming off the antidepressants. And 
to be honest, I was expecting more of a resistance, like, are you sure, you know, uh, anyway, the doctor turned around to me, who's this Irish um, fellow, he turned around to me, he goes, yep, cool, what you need to do is you need to start taking them in lower and lower increments, so, you know, once every two days, once every three days, once every five days, once every seven days, um, until, you know, you basically run out, so I won't renew your prescription, but um, once you've run out of the prescription, you know, um, just don't take any more, just you know and so I spent the last six months actually just slowly getting off them um, taking them less and less less and less frequently I wasn't taking a particularly high dosage so it wasn't like a quite a, like a high jump I think I was taking the lowest dosage you could um, and so uh, I came off them and what was really interesting was now I have to deal with those extremes of emotion now so nowadays, instead of, you know, having, uh, just being like in the middle, you know, kind of vibing, I, you know, had some days where I'm really, really stressed and sad and can't, you know, operate as, as well as I used to be able to. And then other days where I'm like super high functioning and, um, it's really weird because that you know, watching myself now as compared to 12 months ago where, you know, I was sitting pretty much in the middle of the road, um, I have had to keep a more careful eye on where I sit and where my mental health sits. Okay. Yeah, that, um, but my, my question is after hearing all that, what brought you to make that decision? My, my dad is a very healthy individual. He, um, you know, mentally really healthy, quite a fit man as well. And um, he's always had this inversion to medications. Like, you shouldn't be on medication for long periods of time. Um, the, uh, he, um, not that he pressured me into it, but it, I knew that the antidepressants were filling a void where things like exercise and a healthy diet and a regular routine would would fill um and so once you know i was exercising frequently i was um eating well and you know i started to make a routine and things uh, made things manageable for myself you know said no to things um took on things where i knew i had you know some spare time uh, it allowed me to look at myself and reflect and go, I don't need it anymore. And because I don't need it, I shouldn't be taking it. I know that that's not necessarily the best train of thought. And like for every person, their journey is different. So, you know, mm -hmm. for, uh, for, for example, for my mother, who you know, recently just had her 10th child, it's really important that you know, she probably continues taking that medication. She's been taking it for a long time. Whereas for myself, I hadn't been taking it for that long. And that really troubling period of time, you know, was like, well, I had, it's past. I can become, you know, go back to living myself the way my body wants me to live and you know there's other things that i've got to manage and i could always go back on the medication if need be um i 
consider going back on it this week because I had um, a bit of a depressive episode where I um, sat in front of the computer and couldn't write and had an assignment due um, and that was a little terrifying but oftentimes I find and it's not like mental health is this really important cornerstone to who I am as a person but oftentimes I find that if you know if you can fix yourself naturally or you know fix the balance that might be externally that might fix you internally sometimes that works just as well as taking a medication and for me it felt like that that could um yeah it was and, and you know i'm not saying it was an easy journey um i've yeah as i said the last couple of weeks i get bored really easily um and so when i get bored i start mm-hmm. signing up for things um so um i signed up for a scholarship the other day um i'm doing like orientation um activities for uh, the university and you know so i get bored and i sign up for things so i have to really like make sure when i sign up for things i'm very aware of what i'm getting myself into um and you know when things get tough you know getting that balance yeah and i think you and i are very similar in that regard because we both have at least this is from what i've understood is that neither of us like saying no to things that we've committed to right and once we've made that commitment to something we take that very seriously so when you know you say like you're bored and you're signing up for all these things does it ever become too much and if so how like where's that line so i always from, from since um since i got on the antidepressants one of the things i've always been looking at is is there a way i can pull out of this without any harm so um, you know, I'm studying journalism. My my degree is journalism. That's my focus. That's my priority. I you know I'm paying for that. That's where my most of my energy should be going. Um, I am an executive for some bands at the university, and what's really great about that is there is a team. So I can put my hand up and go, "Hey, not feeling well. I can't really help out for the next couple of weeks while I get my life sorted." Um, other things, I it's all about. For me scheduling and making sure that you've got you know activities to keep you busy but then activities to as downtime as well so for me i play music so i i play trombone i'm in quite a few bands and that's where my downtime is so that's my mental downtime yes it is another commitment yes it is another stress but for two hours on a monday night four hours on a sunday night i can you know, mentally disconnect from the worries that I have externally. Uh, And the other thing that I do, um, and it's one of the things that I really, um, I really don't like doing, but the other thing I do is I, um, I keep really open lines of communication with close people close to me. So I'm very close to my family. I know not everyone is, 
But what I find is it's really great when I go and, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And my parents will either say, Sam, you've been stupid, or no, go ahead, that sounds awesome. Uh, we'll help you do that. Um, and they're super understanding of the fact that I find it really hard to say no to things. So if they're telling me no, and they give me like a really firm no, oftentimes I'll just back down and I won't do it. Um, and that is one of the things... That one of the strategies I use to allow myself to say no is if other people are telling me no, kind of that peer pressure allows me to then just say, no, not for me at the moment. I can't handle it. Hey, tryhards. Ethan here. I want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Patreon is a donation service, a monthly subscription service where you donate money to me to support the show, to support uh, the growth of it whether that means merchandise or more podcasts or other things of that nature. And I would really appreciate if you guys will be willing and able to give just a little bit of whatever extra money you may have. Because while the show will always be free for everyone to listen, um, the way to make it isn't. And I'm in college, and things are expensive. So I'd appreciate any little amount that you're able to give. So thank you for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's how it is for me oftentimes as well. Um, but kind of tying that back into your decision, mm -hmm. was your dad one of those people that helped you like, decide to say no? No, not really. Um, as much as it, it was a bit of an influence, it was more a self-motivated decision. When I made the decision, I was living with my grandparents at the time. Um, and so my grandparents lived upstairs and I lived downstairs. Uh, and you know, I just was really enjoying life. It was the second half of 2020. Um, and I we were starting to come out of lockdowns and capacity restrictions here in Australia. Um, and you know, we were still a little cautious, but like the core, like friend groups, um, you know, the trusted contacts, you know, all your, I think the, the term that I really loved is your social bubble, um, started to reform. And so, um, I was nice because I was going in and out of the city. Um, and I was really, really enjoying, you know, uh, and, and really feeling happy and I had um, picked up running one of my sports I hate the most um, and I had was cycling pretty much everywhere at that point because I worked near my parents place was living at my grandparents place and um, so, uh, I was also like going to university not that that was in person for the second half of the year but but like I would go into university once a week uh, for a couple of things. And so I was, I had somehow got this really great balance in my life. And I saw that and I wrote it down. It was one of the first things. It was like, this is really great. I was writing everywhere, running. Um, and then, then I was like thinking about it. I'm like, well, what else can I do to improve myself? And I'm like, well, it really is inconvenient to take this medication every morning. Like, I'm terrible at remembering things. Um, my brain is like a sieve. The amount of reminders and calendars and lists that I have lying around me 
um, is ridiculous. Um, and so to remember to take a pill every morning uh, was a struggle. Um, and like some weeks, perfect. Other weeks, I would forget to take it for three days and go, why am I like in the throes of, you know, not feeling very well? Well, yeah, because you didn't take the antidepressants, stupid. Um, and so I knew that if I went off them in a safe space, you know, with family members around and was keeping an eye on myself and keeping active as well, it meant that I was, like, I could do it safely. And I think that there's a point, not for, and the point's different, where you've been on a medication for so long that your body gets used to it and it becomes a fact of life. Um, for example, you know, I've got a history of thyroid issues in my family. So the majority of my mum's my side of the family are on thyroid medication and they can't ever get off that. It's a pill they have to take every day um, because their body doesn't, like, can't even produce um, the... the the hormones that the th thyroid produces. Um, and so I knew that if I um, got off this relatively quickly, it wasn't going to have a huge drastic effect on me. And yes, I was on it for two years, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, two years isn't a huge amount of time. I know that- Right, that's like a 10th of your life. Yeah. It's not that much. Um, <laughs> but then you know it's it was like a interesting experience as well because you know especially I moved house again at the start of the year to be in the city um, and you know, really loved it I'm really close to a lot of my friends and a lot of other support groups other than my family um, but you know at the same time um, I've had to keep you know quite a close eye on myself and keep a, a lookout for signs that, you know, I was spiraling. So, you know, last week I had this particularly difficult assignment where I'd gotten, the I'd gotten feedback back from my tutor and he told me there was nothing I could do to fix it. Um, and I was sitting at like a C plus. And then I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, I'm really worried about this assignment because I really would like to get a good grade in it. And she goes, have a talk to the lecturer. Um, she seems to be giving out better advice. So I sent it along to the lecturer and she came back within half an hour with like a list of things to do. So I spent all of last week fixing that. Um, and it was stressful. Uh, there was a period on Wednesday where I got some bad news um, and then I'd done something slightly wrong at work on Wednesday afternoon and got a text message on Thursday morning about it. And so I was trying to deal with that issue. Um, and so I just kind of lost it for a little bit and had to stop. I had to go, I need to stop. This is toxic. Push the computer away. Uh, and what I did was sleep. Um, sleep and do like the small manageable jobs. and feel like I was accomplishing something. Um, because I th yeah. think a lot of times my depression is a symptom for not like part of my depression is not feeling like I've accomplished anything. So, you know, doing small things, hanging out the washing, cleaning the dishes, making a meal for yourself, getting up before 10 o'clock in the morning, 
um, just really helped me. And then, you know, um, and what I should have done and what I didn't realise until Friday night um, is I went to go visit my parents on Friday night. Um, I was staying the night. We had a concert on Saturday morning and I stayed the night again um, the night after. And I really, you know, really enjoy staying with my family. I'm only taking the small doses. It's a very loud family. But um, I sat there and I was working this assignment with my father and I realised that's what I should have done first. The first person I should have called when I was feeling like nothing was working was my father. Um, and so learning where those support systems are and remembering them as well. That's the other hard part, you know. Yes, it's, you know, finding a support system, but then remembering a support system exists is just as important in my opinion. It is definitely very important and something that I always recommend um, to people who are going through things that are tough in their life because something that I've really had to learn the hard way over the course of my 21 years on this earth is that you can't always do everything by yourself. No. And as much as I would as much as I would like to be able to do that, I know that I can't. Mm-hmm. So I've had to find those support systems, either find them or use them wherever they are. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like, calling my mom Mm -hmm. when I just need to talk to somebody or um, being very emotionally vulnerable to my friends or my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Because... If you aren't able to make yourself vulnerable, that is just gonna it's just gonna keep the the balloon of emotions is gonna keep expanding until it pops. And when it pops it gets really, really ugly. And it does. And and so part of my spiral was I forgot how to operate as a kind human being. Um, I tutor children for a living, um, uh, well, as a source of income, um, and I, you know, really enjoy it. The kids are amazing, um, and Wednesdays, when I tutor kids on a Wednesday, it's particularly hard because there's we're slightly understaffed and there's a lot of moving parts, and um, I forgot how to be a kind human being um, and lost my temper multiple times because I just hadn't like I hadn't the balloon was expanding and I got to the point where there was holes forming um you know I hadn't popped yet I would say uh, I was lucky because I you know de-escalated it quite quickly after that and I um having some talks with some support systems and and, and uh, having a real hard look at myself I was allowed to you know quickly let some of that out but there was points where I was you know quite abrupt and rude to you know 11 and 12 year olds which is not something you should ever be um and uh I you know completely forgot about a commitment that I made um and so I felt really guilty for it but I sent an email to the guy and uh, who was running it and he's like you know that's that's totally fine we're all stressed um and was like yeah no um, but like, yeah, I find that there's often some red flags and if you miss the red flags, the balloon's going to pop. But, um, I think that 
through the last six to 12 months of coming off this medication, I have seen, like, I've been able to learn where my red flags are, where, you know, I, as a child and as a teenager, I was quite a yelly person. I yell at people. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to fix that and I would get, like, uncontrollably angry. And, you know, lots of, you know, self-reflection and avoiding harmful situations for myself. Um, but then, you know, when that comes back, and I, I had to say to um, a couple of my co-workers, I said, if you ever see me doing that again, pull me aside and say, pull your head in sand because this is not who you want to be. But, you know, when you, like, things like that, it's like, well, I'm defaulting to who I was. And so I need to... Yeah. I, realize that's like a red flag mm-hmm. yeah i i get that like when you you fall back into habits that you don't necessarily want to be proud of no, yeah and it's terrible like it's not like i um it's not like i want to be that person it's not like I right. ever desire to be that person, but at the same time, that's what I defaulted to, and that I felt terrible because um, those kids, I really like those kids, and I I really enjoy the relationship I had with them as you know, a tutor um, to a student relationship, but by you know cracking like that, I shown them something that I thought I had fixed and it's not that Mm -hmm. it's now broken again it's more that I now know that that's going to come up when I'm under a lot of stress which is which hopefully shouldn't be too often I've like this is the other thing I try to space my commitments out you know I have pretty high commitment loads on like a Sunday and a Monday um, and throughout the week I work I work at the worst time of the day. Um, I work from three till six, which means in the afternoon, which means that the, that's like the time that everyone is most active. They're on like their way home from work or they're about to go to work. And I'm sitting here stuck at work. You know, I'll get like three phone calls during the work shift about, you know, um, interviewees getting back to me because I'm a journalist or um, I had a job interview opportunity um, or, you know, that's the only time people, like, someone rescheduled, I had a job, have a job interview on Friday, and some, and the lady who was scheduling it rescheduled it to Monday afternoon at 4.30 without even telling me, and I sat there, and I'm like, really? Like, that's not something that, um, <laughs> not a time that is very convenient to me, unfortunately. Um, no. But, you know, knowing where that is, so, like, I know that, I cannot have university, do university past one o'clock in the afternoon. So all of my university classes, when I go to schedule them, need to be before one o'clock. And then, you know, um, having really open relationships with people, you know, communicating really clearly and really upfront, I find people appreciate that. It's very hard. I'm not, I'm, I'm terrified of making phone calls in general. So like, talking to people about my mental health and going, hey, this is happening. I need to let you know so you're aware. Um, 
you know, when I started this semester, mum was pregnant. Um, she gave birth a couple of weeks ago. Um, and what that meant was, is I had to be very upfront with my tutors and go, hey, my mum's pregnant at the moment. She's due to give birth right as the final assessments are coming through. Um, so um, if I, you know, ask for more support, that's probably why. I pro and I might have to disappear for a couple of days um, to help my mother um, and, and father. Um, and by being up front, and I didn't think, I thought it was just, you know, to me it feels like a very selfish thing to tell people that. But at the same time, what the reactions I got was, oh, okay, cool, thanks for letting me know. That way I can, you know, adjust things and, you know, I'm not going to be super harsh if you miss a deadline, which, to be honest, I did miss a deadline um, at one stage. wasn't a particularly harsh one, but, um, you know, I had to miss a deadline because my mother had given birth. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that clear and open communication, as much as it feels selfish, especially to people who have experienced anxiety and depression... Um, it feels like a selfish, like, oh, I'm always talking about myself. I'm always talking about my mental illness. It's like, well, no, that's because that's who you are. Just just because you have a mental illness doesn't make you a selfish person. Selfish people right. are selfish people. People who communicate openly and let people know what is happening uh, have better relationships and better experiences for it, in my opinion. I agree. And Sam, we are uh, approaching wrap-up time. So do you have any encouraging words for people who are considering getting off antidepressants or even getting on them? Talk to people. Talk to people who have gotten off. Talk to people who have uh, who have gotten on them. Um, and share the experiences. Mental health is not a journey that you have to take alone. Uh, and if you... Uh, I, I think taking it with people, taking that journey and that's those steps with people uh, makes it a lot easier and a lot smoother for everyone. I agree. Now, Sam, where can we find you on the internet? So, yeah, I am Sam. Uh, you can find me at sam.the.journalist on uh, Instagram and TikTok and samobjournalist on uh, uh, Twitter. And you can find me also on my podcast, Content Incapable. Uh, you can find that on all the major podcasting networks. Uh, and uh, uh, and check out um, Content Incapable on Instagram and um, and Twitter. Uh, we do a lot of uh, fun things on Twitter there as well. Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. I'm glad you could make it. Um, and listeners, thank you for tuning in this week to True Stories of a Tryhard. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hulen, that's H-U-L-E-N. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at True Stories Pod. The best way to get the word out about podcasts is via word of mouth and social media. So please, please, please share this with your friends, share it on your social media, and if you post it in some way and tag me, you will get featured on the official podcast accounts. And please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin and Sam O'Brien signing off.